I'm sitting in the office in Shanghai of Mark Vander Chase, who is the CEO of Spiel Games. Spiel Games Asia, correct. And um, has also worked in a pretty interesting startup called Tudo, um, which is one of the top video sites, basically the YouTube for China. Um, Mark, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. You want to tell us a little bit about you and like who you who you are and where you come sure. from? Yeah, um, I'm uh, I'm Dutch originally, uh, 36 years old, married with two kids, um, been in China for about 10 years now. Came here originally uh, working for a multinational for for Daimler Chrysler. Um, was a controller for them here in, in the north in Northeast Asia. Uh, did it for a couple of years, and then saw a lot of opportunities actually um, around me that I couldn't really. You know, do I saw a lot of entrepreneurial activities going on and a lot of chances in the market, things I could do, um, yeah, that I couldn't do while working for a multinational. So I decided in 2002 to um, to quit my expat job, to quit my good life with a, a nice car, a nice house, and business class flights all over the world, and uh, basically go back to a small apartment with a bicycle. And, and study Chinese for a while, and that's what I did. And so I started studying Chinese in September 2002 at university. My idea was to do it for one year and then sort of see if I could, you know, set up my, my own business. But you know how things go. After about one month, I realized that just Chinese full time is not my thing. Um, I was finished basically at, at you know at three o'clock in the afternoon with my studies and. You know, you still have a day left, and I used to work already long hours while working for a multinational. So I felt like, well, you know, I still have a day left, so let's already set up a business right now. So after one after one month already, I started setting up my business next to my studies, and um, yeah, that started to go better and better. That sort of took off, and then I had a problem because I had to go on business trips, for example, I had to meet clients. I was I was doing consulting basically, consulting and trading uh, with Europe, also with the US. And you know, I started to get some clients. I had to go on business trips, and then the university told me, "Yeah, but you know, you, you cannot just take classes off. It's it's very, the, the, the universities here in China are very very formal in a way. You have to really be in class at 8 a.m. If you if you come into class at 8:01, they will you know you have to apologize in front of the whole class to <laughs> say why you're late. And so I mean, if you you know if you're just gonna not be there for a few days, they accept it once maybe, but the second time they they tell you, sorry, either, either you, you know you study or you don't study." Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you have good results or not. So, I studied <coughs> studied Chinese, and um, yeah, I had to make a choice basically. Then quite quickly, already, what, do you, what am I going to do? Either you know continue my studies or set up my business. I decided, okay, I'm going to do. I'm going to finish my semester, the first semester of Chinese, and then work full time. So that's what I did. Basically, in January 2003, I quit my studies and started my real first business full time. And uh, yeah. We're now six, more than six years down the road, and uh, done a lot of things over the years. In six yeah. years, you've <laughs> done more than more than a few things. Yeah. Um, this is an interview I've been really looking forward to doing because Mark is is living in China as an expat. He's obviously not not Chinese. You can't see, I guess, you can see that from the photos, but he's really not. Um, and he's worked on on a, a pretty pretty big site in the past, and and it sounds like uh, his current venture is doing pretty good stuff too. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Tudo and sure. how it works and, and, and just like some of the basic stats so that that's kind of for people that aren't, have never heard of it before mm-hmm. can understand it. Yeah. Well, Tudo is, is basically comparable to, to what YouTube is doing in the US. The main difference is we're doing it in China um, and we're only doing it in China. All our servers are inside China. That means the site is very slow outside China. But basically the content is, is similar in a way that it's, it's a lot of user-generated content. 
but it's also a lot of professional produced content. So there's um, there's TV shows, there's movies. Um, originally, a lot of them, a lot of those were pirated. Um, nowadays, we're trying to make deals with everybody to. You know, we don't want to be the biggest pirate pirate side in the world or something. We want to be a legal side with legal content. So we we try to make as as many deals as possible with uh, with people that put uh, yeah with, with content that's on the side. Um, what kind of traffic does it have? It's pretty big. We have about currently about I think about 85 million uniques per month. Uh, that's only China traffic, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think we play about probably about three billion clips a month on the site. Mm-hmm. And so, in that sense, it's smaller than YouTube. I mean, YouTube has a lot more unique users. Right. But our users actually watch a lo- much longer time. Uh, they, they go to the site a, lo- a lot longer than than the YouTube watchers do. If you look at YouTube, it's um, I don't know what the exact stats are, but probably around 10 minutes per, per session. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Tudo, it's more like a, an hour per session. So at least six times longer per session than uh, than in, than, in yeah, than, than YouTube. And so, what kind of stuff are they watching? Well, they watch a lot more more TV content. It's more like a substitute for television, much more than YouTube is. Because of the, because there's a lot more TV shows, there's a lot more movies on there. We have our own HD channel uh, called Gedo, <coughs> which is a uh, subdomain of Tudo. Uh, that's really professionally produced content that's you know, given to us, di- distributed to us uh, by the producers themselves, um, which is getting some traction at the moment. Uh, which is really high quality, uh, a bit like Hulu actually, in, in what Hulu is in the mm-hmm. US. That's basically that's that's what our that's our you know, that's equivalent of what we're doing here with uh, with Gedo. and that's what people like to watch. It's, it's much more than than just you know the the funny clips uh, that you see a lot on on YouTube. They're there as well, but it's just one part of it. And professionally produced content is much more important. And that's also a direction we're going into ourselves. Um, we are co-producing uh, feature films at the moment. We we do invest in some. Uh, some own productions, or well, not own productions. So it's actually becoming a TV network like ABC or CBS. Yeah, but on the internet. Yeah. But on the internet. Yeah, it's you can compare it maybe a bit with, 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 with what's what HBO has been doing when they started. You know, HBO started to invest as well in, in own productions because mm-hmm. we really think that's where the future is of, of, of online online video. It's not really in the user generated content. I mean, that will be there always, but it's not what people really always want to watch. It's more like sharing your your things with people. But the real future of online video is, is in the professionally produced content. So, and, and you know, you need to build a brand. I think HBO did an excellent job. I mean, you know, if, if you watch an HBO show, you, if you hear if you hear something is HBO, you know it's high quality. That's what we want to achieve as well. I think with with Tudo in the future. Um, and so, like, what kind of content are you trying to make? Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's it, it's it's a mix of, of 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 feature films of 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 high quality, yeah, what you call television content, basically. Uh, content that's that's new, that's innovative, that's you know that that may otherwise not be produced. I mean, like in where I live in Latin America, sitcom, uh, sit, uh, novellas are very mm-hmm. popular. Like women's soap operas, are you doing that kind of stuff? Is we we, we work together as well with with SMG on on a on a soap opera. Yeah. It's it's this it's different different things. It's not not just one thing. And stuff that fits Chinese culture. Of course, yeah. I mean, we're we're looking at the Chinese market here. I mean, if you look at, for example, the content on Tudo, what people watch, it's it's actually mainly. Uh, Chinese, Korean, 
some Japanese and some Hong Kong movies and, and films, TV shows. It's not it's not the American things. I mean, if you look at American movies, American TV shows, it's maybe five percent or something of, of the websites. So people always think, you know, we were, you know, it's, that Trudeau is really showing all the American TV shows, and they're on there probably, but people don't really watch them. People in China want to see you know, their own content, their own Asian content. That's what they're watching. So that's what we're focusing on as well. Hmm. So. Um in, in terms of the content, like how does the, the legality of it all work? I mean, uh, basically, what it is, um, when, when basically when we started, it was just user generated content. We never really thought about the fact that people would upload um, illegal stuff because we, I mean, we were really one of the first people doing these things. And you know, once the first shows appeared, we were like, okay, what do we do at the moment? What do we do? And basically, we took the decision to uh, to wait and see, see what would happen. And you know, when the first people came to us and asked us for uh, asked us to take it down, we said, okay, you know, we, we can take it down. We will take it down right away. I mean, that, that's for sure. If, if people ask us to take things down, we take it down right away. But we also approached them directly then with a revenue share deal. Say, okay, you know, you, you cannot get your stuff on television in China because it's heavily, it's very difficult to get things on television to get through the censors, get through the yeah, get through the system. And only only a few films can be on television and in the movie theaters every year. Um, so. You know, if people watch things in China, they, they watch it on illegal DVDs, but you don't earn a penny on. At least at Todo, you can earn, you know, maybe a penny or whatever. It's a, it's a small amount at first, but you know, it can add up because you have a lot of traffic. And that kind of deals are trying to make as much as possible right now, and that 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 does work actually. How does I mean, how do content producers react to that? Are they saying like, well, nothing, something's better than nothing? I mean, don't they say, well, now my, you're just devaluing my content? No, I mean, they're also seeing that the future of of of, of, uh, of shows is is online for a large part. I mean, it, it depends on on the producer, of course. There, there's people who don't want to do it, um, but I think many of them are seeing that you know we are a big platform for for, for at least for Chinese audiences, and it gives them a way to to give some additional monetization. If they don't work with us, you know, the shows maybe on other, on other sites, people watch it there, and you know, there they cannot do a revenue share deal. And you know, we can offer them more as well. If, if, if it's really good content, it's, it could end up on, on Gedo and, and, and the HD quality. Hmm. Um, you know, it's not, you know, it's not just people uploading it um, illegally. It's also, you know, we offer a lot more than that. Yeah, fair enough. Um I mean, I, I guess I, I can relate to it because I haven't been—I um, haven't had a TV in seven or eight years, right. I mean, yeah. and I get all of my TV off the internet in the last five years. I mean, yeah. exclusively. Um, <laughs> so I, I can certainly relate to what's going yeah. on. Yeah, it's, um, it's getting easier and easier. It's, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it certainly has been harder. Yeah. Um, I, I'm interested that you mentioned Hulu, which is only for use in the U.S. People access it from China without a problem. No, well, you, you can use it through a VPN, of course. That's right. possible, but it's, uh, yeah. No, people don't really watch it much. I think it's just like it's, guys like you that want to keep up with what's going on. Yeah, but it's too slow actually. It's right. uh, even through a VPN, it doesn't really work, and they're closing down some ports as well, make it make it more difficult to watch it through VPNs. And so, um, actually, I don't really watch anything on the, on on the, on the internet. It's, oh, you don't? Uh, nah, just too <laughs> busy. Too busy. Video sites doesn't want TV. It's too too busy watching doing doing my work actually, and yeah, having a family with two kids. And yeah. Of, yeah, fair enough. Um, how do you how do you compare Tudo to PP Live? Well, PP Live is, is is a peer-to-peer network, and Tudo only has a very small uh, peer-to-peer. Well, not very small. We also do peer-to-peer. We have some peer-to-peer in there, um, but Tudo is really a community site, a site where everything's on there. 
uh, where you know there's a lot of direct streaming, mm-hmm. so normally di- better quality um, available directly when you want to watch it. Um, so it, it's 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 a different side. But I think this kind of question that like, you should should ask Gary because I mean Gary is really the guy who's who's running who's running Todo. He's more sure. the you know I'm you know, I'm on the board of Todo, but I'm not uh, active over operation in the company. Right. And fair you know, point. So if you really want to go into detail about video things, it's probably better to, to get talk to Gary. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I'm interested then, maybe can we just talk a little bit about how you got started there and, and how you found working here as an expat? Um, because you're not Chinese. No. Um, you, how, how fluent are you in Chinese now? Not fluent. It's, uh, I can get along. Can you uh, write? Uh, about 1,000 characters. Yeah. So it's, it's basic, basic, basic things. I, mean, can bas- I can read the basics, write the basics. Uh, I'm able to get around, but it's it's basic. You know, it's so, how did you find uh, your partner Gary to get started, and how did that work? I mean, don't they look at you as an expat and say, "Well, you can't, you don't understand the culture, mm-hmm. you don't understand what real Chinese people want, you don't speak the language, you can't use the science properly"? How do you really contribute value? But clearly, you have. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, when I met Gary, I was I've been in China for five years already, six years, five five years. So I was not new to China. I was not like somebody who just landed on a plane and you know wanted to do something. I've been here for a while. I'd already set up two companies actually by that time. Um, been doing fairly well, and you know not 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 extremely well, but doing fairly well. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. It just um, it, it, it was it was different from 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 most of the expats that you know just just came up came here and sort of said, okay, I'm gonna you know, strike it rich here. That's that was not my plan at all. And you know, I just had some ideas. Basically, I met Gary by coincidence um, during the first Formula One race here in Shanghai. We uh, we sat next to each other and we had a beer afterwards. Um, we sort of felt like, whatever, you know, we, we sort of liked each other and decided to play golf together a few weeks later. And during that round of golf, I told him about my ideas for for actually for a podcasting website. That was the original idea for that we had for Tudo, and he also liked it. And you know, what was he doing at the time? He was working with Bertelsmann, the German. Uh, publisher mm-hmm. um, doing strategy for them and he liked it actually and you know we decided to, to set something up and um, basically that was in October 2004 and three months later the company was officially formalized and Gary quit his job so the daytime job and um, he started running the company and it's uh, April 2005 he went live and from there it's just yeah one Big growth, actually. Let me see. It's uh, actually that's something. If you don't mind, are you willing to talk about some of the scalability and how you dealt with that in the early days? Well, that's also more Gary, actually. Is it? Okay. Yeah, but the Gar- Gary's a technical guy. It's, okay. uh, I don't know anything about technical things. It's uh, I can program uh, a website, and uh, but that's about it. It's so, what was your? What did you uh, focus on in the business? What was your area? Um, it's more getting new ideas, um, looking at early financing, looking at. Basically, looking at enough of the things happening on the web. That's what I'm still doing, actually. You know, reading lots of web logs, reading, talking to people, finding out, you know, what's going to happen in on the internet in the future. Um, I guess I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who is always looking at new things, having new ideas. I literally have probably one one business idea a day, every day. Right, and then it's, you know, what to do with them all. And that's you know, how, you know, how can you integrate them? Where do I see things going? Where, where, you know, what might not work? And uh, people have to stop me sometimes because I have too many ideas. Mm. That's that's a bit of a danger as well. I need, I need, I have a problem with focusing on just you know, just one thing. Getting execution yeah. done. Yeah. 
that's that's yeah. So I think that's that's where a lot of my added value is, is often in is you know finding new ideas and getting people excited about it, getting the team excited to do things. Um, yeah, if I look at my current company here, Spill Games, um, it's it's really getting people to you know to 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 motivate them to to start looking at new things, implement them. I like to work with small teams. I don't like big companies actually. Even this this company here is way too big for me actually. <laughs> it's, uh, I prefer a small, like a 20 20 person team. That's fine. You know, I mean, if I, if I have a good management team, I can have a big company. But right now, it's I don't have, I don't really have a very strong management team. So it's kind of difficult to, you know, when a company grows to really manage it. And I prefer to work in small teams and you know look at at strategy, you know, do you know, in and do innovative things and do some PR. It's the sort of thing I really like to do. But operating a big company like this, it's sort of not really my thing to be honest. Is that why you one of the reasons why you left it all? Uh, no, it's actually I've never been full time involved in Tudel because I, I had I had my other company still running on the side. Hmm. I was still involved in, in consulting. I was doing trading, um, and I decided not to become fully involved in Tudel on a full time basis for the for the simple reason that um, well there were, there were different reasons, but the the main reason was actually that uh, I felt it was a very Chinese company, and I didn't really feel like you know. It wasn't an international yet as it is right now. Was it? You know, the, the, the language is Chinese. Um, the culture is very Chinese, and I sort of felt, yeah, that's maybe not. That's not the thing for me. Hmm. It's. Uh, it was. It's. It's. it's you know, Gary's a great guy. He's my best friend actually, and uh, and I also felt, you know, working with him might not be good for our friendship in the long run. That's mm-hmm. another thing. Uh, you know, I like to run a company. Uh, he's clearly much better as a CEO than I am for for, for Tudo. So, you know, there's no there's no reason why I would ever think I could do a CEO job at that Tudo. He's the one who's doing it and he's doing it perfectly well. So, you know, then other opportunities came along, and I, you know, I was talking, I was, I was thinking about spill games, and I felt like that's actually something I want to, I can really do, and you know, build up myself, and that's what I did. But I'm still involved in Tudo as, as a board member, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, <coughs> why don't you tell us about spill games? Yeah. Well, Spill Games, it's, it's, um, Spill Games is actually originally a Dutch company. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it was set up by uh, two Dutch guys in 2001. Um, they yeah, did a lot of stuff in the early days, affiliate deals, uh, chatting, all these kind of things. And from about 2004 onward, they decided to, to look at online games as Flash Games. And they built some Flash Game websites, uh, mainly in Europe at that time. And then in 2005, they started to look you know, at more international markets. And then they contacted me in late 2005 and asked me, you know, can you help us to set up a website for us in uh, in China? And I said, well, yeah, probably could do that as sort of a consulting gig, basically. That's how I saw it at first. And then I met them, and I really thought these guys very good ideas. They they really understand the online game market. They really understand, you know, what drives traffic, what drives uh, game sites to become bigger. And... Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to do this for you guys, and I'm going to do it on a, you know, for a few a few months probably, and see you know how it goes. But then when I started doing it and was building the first website here and trying to get the licenses and all these things in China, I realized actually the game market is going to be huge. So um, you know, after about one or two months probably, I called them. I said, guys, you know, I'm doing it part time right now. I think I want to do this full time. I think I see a huge opportunity here, but I want to do it independently. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be like a sub- yeah, I didn't want to, be, want to be like a subsidiary of the bank companies. Let me handle this here. Basically, you, you know, they 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 invest money in the company. Uh, let me run it. 
don't interfere too much with it. That was the original deal. Um, yeah, well, then it became a bit bigger than, than we originally thought. Because, um, you know, we, the original idea was to build up one website in China. We're now having two big portals here. We're probably number two in the market for Flash games at this point. Mm-hmm. There's about 32 million uniques. Per month? Per month, yeah. Um, we, we have a game studio here now. There's about 50 people making, making Flash games. Probably the biggest Flash game studio in the world. Because I'm not sure if there's any. I didn't, they never saw any bigger ones, but you know there may be. We produce one or two games a week at the moment. One or two new games. New a games week. a week, yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's like a like a factory almost. Um, you know, we run websites in, in, in India, Indonesia. Indonesia were number one at the moment actually in, in the Flash game market. Uh, Malaysia. We just started in, in Japan. We do we don't we don't do it all from here. It's. Uh, Basically, the center of of, of of yeah of online games here in uh, in Shanghai for the Asian market. It's fun. It's uh, it's 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 a market with a huge potential. Um, it's um, it's a fun market. I mean, I'm not a big game player myself. I mean, I don't really watch videos, so I don't I don't really play games either. <laughs> I, I I play. They're the fun. Come on. <laughs> they're fun. yeah. The, the thing is, for me, it's always I, I love I love to play them. Actually, I do have a Nintendo DS, I have a PSP, and but it's just it's, I feel like I, I, I only have 24 hours in a day and yeah, uh, right. it's just I, I do it when I don't have anything else to do like, like, for, like mobile games for example I, I love, that's what I love because those I use when I'm waiting for an airplane yeah. for a train or waiting in line somewhere do you have an iPhone? I, do, I, I used to I changed it to a G1 uh, 2-3 months ago alright yeah I mean I play too many games online yeah it's uh, hey, it's, it's, it's so easy you know it's, you can the apps you can download and that's what I spend a lot of money on actually it's, mm. uh, that's fun but I mean you know, playing like MMO games or something, I would, I would, I really wouldn't do it because I know I'm going to be hooked on them, and it's going to take too much time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, can you kind of help me understand the market for for gaming now? This is a market called casual gaming, so people log yeah. onto a website, play a flash game. Um, I guess I, I should be embarrassed for teasing you about it because I don't play any of these games either. I used yeah. to when I was growing up, I played every game that I could on the Commodore 64 yeah, or I mean, Amiga, just like me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And now don't. Um, what is what is casual gaming, and how's what, what's the business model behind it? Well, to start with casual games, I mean, if you played Commodore 64 games, basically, I, I often explain to people it's it's similar to those games you had on the Commodore 64. You know, they're normally uh, single player, some of multiplayer games, but relatively simple games. A um, couple of levels only. Um, Quality is a bit better, of course, than the graphics you had on the 64 because 64 you only had, you know, 64k available. Now these games are three, four hundred k, sometimes even more than that. So the, the graphics are a lot better, mm-hmm. uh, but they're still simple. They're still fun. They're fun to play. You play them for you know, 10, 20 minutes maybe. Uh, then you do something different. It's not something you play for hours like World of Warcraft or one of the big MMO games. The business model at this point is still mainly advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, either advertising around the game or advertising inside the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be, for example, a, a pre-roll before you start playing the game, or, or inside the game that you um, um, yeah, have billboards, for example, inside the game. But mainly, it's it's around the game. So you you you, you click on the game, and before it, yeah, and then the, it opens in a small window, and around the window you see some banners, for example. That's at this point still the, the main the main business model. But I see the business model changing to to virtual items more and more people will not pay for these games because they're too yeah, too cheap I mm-hmm. guess but you know people may want to play for additional levels for example when they play four or five levels the game is finished 
and they you know, if they would pay like you know, 25 cents or whatever to to get three more levels they may do this um, if you build them into a social network mm-hmm. um, either your own social network or play them on Facebook for example pay, people may be willing to pay more to you know get a better sword or a better car or whatever to to get a high a high score a bit, you know to beat their friends right. those are things actually I think that's that's going to be a new revenue stream for flash games you see that already in in the big uh, massive multiplayer online games mm-hmm. but I think it's also going to be something in the in the more simple flash games so because the thing, the problem with the, the simple games I would imagine is people aren't as engaged so it's less critical True. for them to pay money for things True. yeah that's why a social network around is more important mm-hmm. than than people might be willing to do it and you know, or when they're more hooked to when they're hooked to a game, and after, you know, a game only has five levels, but you know there's three more. You can see that in the game, but you cannot enter them. You know, so you have to tease them a little bit. Then they may be willing to to pay a small amount. Right. And you know, it's really it's not not paying like five dollars, but really like a quarter, fifty cents, whatever. Really something that people feel like, okay, well, it doesn't really matter if I pay a quarter right now. No, it's, it's, it's a direct marketing model, right? I mean, yeah. you, you give people a, a, a taste of something that gives them a huge amount of value and price them for something relatively insignificant relative to the value, and then they'll do it. Yeah, correct. And so it, people don't really do it yet. I mean, there's two companies working on it at the moment, and. I think that's something we should be in as well. Mm. So, yeah. And the, the, the other thing for casual games is it's going to be big on mobile phones, that's what I believe. Right. It's still not that big. I mean, you have, to, of course, the apps on the iPhone. But I think spill games could do a lot more in that field. So I guess you would love to see Flash on the iPhone. It will be there eventually, I hope. I mean, we're looking, we're waiting for it for three years now. But uh, yeah. don't hold your breath, huh? Well, I mean, at least Android's doing it now. And I think, you know, they're coming with Flash and... Nokia has it, of course. Uh, eventually, Apple has to, I think. I mean, if they don't, it's it's going to be a problem for the, for the iPhone. And too mu- there's too much in the in the App Store, though. Well, how, where do you see that going? I mean, that's a really interesting equation, right? I mean, the App Store is mm-hmm. turning into a multi-billion-dollar model. Yeah. They're not going to want to just throw that away. They won't. No, they, I mean, it will be there. I mean, it's but the thing is, uh, you can you can integrate Flash Flash games to the App Store, of course. It, it doesn't mean that you you know you that everything's going to be for free. It's, uh, so people would pay to use Flash, for example. Um, there's going to be free and and, and paid uh, paid Flash games, I think. I mean, basic ones going to be free, and the more 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 advanced ones will be will be you know for ninety nine dollar cents or whatever. That's mm-hmm. what I think. I, I don't think Apple is not doing using Flash because of the because the App Store. It's really no. because they feel that the iPhone is not strong enough to, to really give the, the the user experience that you, that you want to have. Right. And maybe with the the, the new the new iPhone uh, 3GS. It may be different, but I don't know what the specs are. But you know, maybe that's that will be the the chance to to finally get get Flash running on there. Hmm. Interesting. And so the, um, the model today, like, is the company profitable? I mean, you you raise money to get started. Like, how how's all that working out? So, yeah. I, mean, I know you, there's some restrictions on what you can talk about. Tell us what you feel like you can tell. Well, I mean, basically, it's it's it depends how much how much you spend on marketing. That's uh, you know how much do you want to grow and how much do you spend on marketing. It's uh, we're making money. Um, well, we're spending all the money on marketing again to grow further because in the Chinese market I feel it's it's now is the time to grow mm-hmm. if you sit down and relax and think you know things are going well you know there's people going to pass you le- left and right you have to keep on growing and investing in the company so it all depends how much you want to spend on marketing and we decide to spend almost everything that we that we earn uh, put it back into into the market uh, marketing through through building new good games marketing th- uh, through you know being Presence on on, on, on on direct to websites. Uh, we don't really use things like Google Ads or Baidu Ads, uh, but you know, be out there. People should should know you. That's important. So, what what other kind of channels are you using for marketing? 
Um, and well, what, what, when you say marketing, are you doing branding type advertising? You yeah, it's more branding actually. It's a lot, a lot of what we do is actually um, we use our games to do marketing. So we build new games, give these away for, for away for free to other websites. They put them on there. Um, and then these websites are competitors basically they get, they get free content but they're branded with, with our website game.com.cn so people see one or two new games a week every week on, on their website where they normally play games and eventually they will, they will click on our logo because the logos are clickable in, in the games they come to our site and they realize wow actually game.com.cn is a lot better than the site I currently, uh, currently play on and that's for us a major, major reason why we grow so much over the past two, two years, two, three years. Are you, I mean, as you do these sorts of campaigns, are you like tracking response rates around things? Like, what, how, when you run, when you buy advertising, how do you know that it's effective? Yeah, we, we track everything. We, 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 yeah, we, we, we look where, where, where does traffic come from. We, you know, um, I mean, we don't, we don't go in extreme, extreme detail, but, you know, we look, we look at for each campaign, you know, what's, what's, what's the return we're getting? How many people keep on coming back? Uh, we, we track those things. Yeah. I think that's very important because you know, some sites don't really, you know, they may be cheap, but they also they don't deliver you any new traffic. Other sites are more expensive or extremely expensive, some, but they're worth it. Right. Yeah. What have you found have been some of the more effective places to advertise? Um, the best one used to be a site called How123, mm -hmm. uh, which is like a directory site, a bit like Yahoo in the early days. Mm -hmm. um, that got us a lot of traffic over the f basically the first two years. We stopped actually advertising on there because they became too expensive. Hmm. They increased their rate cards by 50% per year, not, not even per year, per half year probably. It's uh, you know each half year they became 50% more expensive. Hmm. And at a certain point we just said, okay, forget it. It's just not worth it anymore. It's just uh, it's not you know. But that that helps a lot for the branding actually. You, ha you have to be on there when you're new in the market. Um, a lot of people who are new on the, uh, to the internet in China go there. So they're there for the first time on the internet. They go there to find the right place to, to play games, watch videos, and you know, do other things online. So you have to be there at first to, to build your brand to, and for people to get to know you. Um, but you don't force users to register? Um, we don't force them, but uh, many people do because it's, you know, they, can, they can chat on the website and in forums. They can... Um, do you, like, do you have a, an amount you spend per user? Like, what's the what's the metric you use to know that a, a, a buy or media buyer on a site was was useful? Sorry, the how do you? What's the metric you use? Mm -hmm. Like, is it uh, a lot of stuff we use is, is cost per lead or cost mm -hmm. per sale or cost per acquisition in some form? What's like the metric you use to know that okay, buying no. from this site worked and this site it didn't? We we basically look at how many new IPs come to the website. We don't really we don't really track it on a on a, on a cost per user basis. Hmm. It's more like we, have, we give ourselves a certain budget for a month and we look at you know which sites have a lot of new users for us that we you know, haven't seen yet before and uh, we spend some money on there. We don't really calculate on a per user basis. So. Right. Okay. Um, but to get back to the, to uh, to um, um, uh, to forcing people to sign up. For example, we have a uh, we have a, a password function in, in on the website mm -hmm. that works for all the subdomains because we have we do a lot more than just flash games. Actually, we have uh, browser-based games on the site. We have mobile games. We have a sort of Chinese version of Congregate, which is uh, where people can developers can put up their own their own uh, flash games, mm -hmm. uh, and you know we, we monetize them for them, we distribute them for them. All these things work with one central login. So if you want to use these different parts of the site, it, it, it makes sense to, to really log into it, to really you know, benefit a lot more from it. And a lot of people do it. 
Uh, we have millions of people who, who register for the website. Yeah. It's, it's pretty big. And you have like newsletters and things as well? Yeah. yeah. No? yeah. So it's all just online? It's uh, online. Yeah, it's online. It's, uh, yeah, people come back. It's they know they know we have new games all the time. That's, I think that's one of the most important things for for a website, a game website. Every single day your site should be different. People who come back every day they want to see different games. So you know we we license a lot of games. Uh, it's yeah we have. How many games have we got? How, on the side how we have? Hmm. Um, thousands. 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 Yeah. Hmm. And what's the know. most popular game? The most popular is. Probably at the, there's a few a few ones. This one is called Uphill Rush. It's doing extremely well. Been doing well for for months actually already. Uh, it's basically a um, uh, yeah you're riding a dirt bike and uh, you have to make yeah you have to, it's a course and you jump and you make loopings and whatever and you know you have, you race against others. It's it's extremely addictive because you can do a lot of different tricks and you know you can beat your own time. You can beat your friends. If you're good enough, you can go to the next level. So people keep on playing so they can do the next level. And when once they're at the next level, they have to be mm. uh, even better to get to the next level. And it's uh, people keep on coming back. It's extremely addictive. Is the guy that made that here in your office? Yeah, they're here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, so you have some really good guys, I guess. Do, they, uh, do you have guys that consistently turn out top games? No, or it, it just seemed to be more of a fluke. Um, it's it, well, it, it depends on it's, it's, it, the, the main thing is the game designer who, who, who designs the game, who comes up with the concept. That's very important. And then the person who decides the way it looks, what, what does the what does the game look like? You know, mm-hmm. the, the graphics, the gameplay. It's not really about who programs it. The programmer has to be good, but it's, you know, it's more like what's what's you know, how, how like how the director of a movie. It's the guy correct. that puts it all together. That's 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 even that's most important. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's an art. Yeah. One of the, the I'm, I'm going to be interviewing, um, and I'm, I'm going to mispronounce the name, but I'm going to be interviewing Kai Shin 001 yeah. next week, yeah. um, and they have a game called Vegetable Patch. Yeah. Um, do, I'm just, I, I guess that's a, like one of the most popular games in China at the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm interested in that. Uh, what do you think of that game? And then, um, is that a sort of thing? Would you, have you knocked that game off? And, and how do knockoffs work in China? Mm. We, we, we haven't. No, we haven't knocked it off. Um, of course, we're looking at it because they're extremely successful. Mm. I mean, the good thing. Actually, just for those listening, so Vegetable Patch, I'll, I'll be getting into that in, in uh, game in more detail. But basically, the concept is that your um, you have a, your house with a vegetable patch behind your house and your neighbours come over and try and steal the vegetables from the vegetable patch and you've got to try and stop them from stealing the vegetables. I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Um, <laughs> it's very popular in China. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of these games, actually, on, on the different sites. Uh, the original one was similar to Parking Wars, actually, um, where you park cars on, on, on your own streets. You, you buy cars, you park them on your own streets. You, you know, you try to park them. Uh, you have to pay for that to park. You know, and, uh, so you want to park and, and, and on other streets, uh, by your, uh, your friend's streets, for example. And then if you don't pay to park, you know, as long as they don't find it out, that you can park for free. But if they find out, they, they give you a fine. So basically, what you do is you wait until your friends are on a business trip or in a meeting. You park your car during the meeting there, so the, the friends cannot check their internet connection. Uh, they cannot check their their streets. Um, that's basically how, how these games started. Vegetable Patch is similar to this, actually. In a, in a way, you know, you have to go there and steal things and people aren't watching you. Um, it's a very viral, viral game. And it's something we we don't have this at this, this point. We're looking at it, of course. Uh, Kaishin is actually also uh, putting these games, on, the, these games on, on different websites. We don't have it on our site, but we're thinking about maybe doing something with them on this, in this field. Mm. 
So how do knockoffs work here and how do you guys defend against them and, and how do you uh, knock things off yourself? I mean, I imagine if it's what happens and what everybody does, or can you maybe give me your perspective? It's not a big deal. I mean, you know, people copy all the time. That's fine. As long as you... As we always think that, you know, we're, we probably have better better game designs, better gameplay. So it's, it's just copying is, uh, is not enough. You need more. You need, really need some innovation. You need to understand the gameplay. Uh, if people copy our games, fine, go ahead. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't really matter. Um, that's also why we give away our games. Actually, we feel that if we give away our games, you know, it's, we have branding. If people copy them, the, the gameplay won't be as good as our, our gameplay. So it doesn't really hurt us that much. People realize probably that the branded games that we that we distribute over the internet are, are a lot better than the you know, than people who copy our games. And do you, do you, so when you say distribute, like YouTube allows you to embed a video in, in a different web page. Do, mm-hmm. do you have that ability with games yeah, as well? We do. Yes. So I can put yeah. a game on my blog and say this is my favorite game. Correct. Yeah, you can do this. Yeah. 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 That works well. I mean, it's, it's just, just distribution. It's, just, you know, it's not about just one side anymore. It's, it's about being out there with your brands, and then people eventually will come back to your side. That's what I believe in. It's, you know, sending people away will lead to, to, to more people coming to your side eventually. Maybe we can try and embed um, one of your top games in your interview. Sure. It's possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll make a note. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just a, a gaming law change just the other day in China about no more gold farming. Yeah. Um, can you maybe talk about that and if, mm-hmm. uh, if that has any implications for what you're doing? Uh, it's, it's, it's not really, it doesn't really have a big implication at this point. Basically, what they're saying is it's, you, can just, you can still use virtual currency, but you cannot, you cannot, you cannot change it to real current, to real, real life things. You cannot use virtual currency to buy you know, uh, real objects or change it for real, for real money. Uh, they want to make sure that virtual currency stays virtual. Um, that's the biggest thing. It, it, it doesn't really make much of a change for us at this point. Um, and you know there's still going to be a lot of companies who are doing this on the sites illegally with your, with your currency. So there'll be other people setting up websites where your currency can be changed for real currency, probably. Was it expected that this law was going to happen? Yeah, it's it's you know it has it, been talked about it for two years. I mean, two years ago the central government already warned QQ, the mm-hmm. the biggest uh, instant messenger in China, who you know, is a company that does a lot of other things, biggest social network probably as well. Um, they warned them that their QQ points, uh, QQ coins, were basically becoming a threat to the renminbi, the, the Chinese the Chinese yuan. And yeah. the QQ points were becoming a threat to the Chinese yeah, currency. because they were so huge. I mean, everybody was using them. It's uh, it, was, it was it was crazy. And you now they realized that virtual currency was getting so big that something had to be done about it. So from that point on, people knew that something would, would be happening. And you know, it's. Basically, the, the big sites, you know, they they have their own virtual currency systems, but they don't run uh, their own their own uh, their own exchanges. I mean, there's people doing this on the sites where you can change, you know, the, the points to, to to products or other things. And so that'll continue. It'll just become more of a black market. Is that I think so? Hmm. So I don't think that there's going to be a, a big change. It's, uh, but that has put hundreds of millions of dollars out of business, hasn't it? In various various business models, I guess they're more aggressive ones. Yeah, but it's, it's, not, it's yeah, sure, the, the, the most aggressive, aggressive ones, of course, they, 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 those won't work. But I think it, it, there will be not much of a change, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, business as usual? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there will always be, always, always be ways to, to, change, to change points to money and to use virtual currency for other things. It's, mm. you know, maybe not in a completely legal way, but there's always ways in China.
people are very inventive and coming up with new innovative ways to to deal with these loss. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you talked a little bit about social networking. Is there any kind of social networking built into um, Spiel Games, or is that going to come in future? Or are you, are you going to integrate with sites like Facebook? Or um, well, actually, we're working, we're working very hard on these things. It's at this point in in, in China, we mainly have the uh, we have some social networking functions. Uh, you know, in, it's part of the password function we have, but it's not enough. Um, we're now seeing that actually social networks are become, becoming uh, becoming competitors, like Kaishin One Zero Zero One, the people you're gonna you're gonna meet next week. Those are the new competitors. They were not competitors a year ago, mm. but they the social networking sites in China are more gaming sites than real social networks. People there they don't really post their private life and their, their pictures anymore. No, they post their high scores and they post their their screenshots from the games. Mm-hmm. And that's actually something I underestimated myself. I didn't I didn't really see it coming. Um, it's something from the last couple of months. So yes, we're going to react to this and do something about it. Yeah. So can you, maybe can you explain that a little bit more? The, the, the big thing has become: is it trash talking and you know here's my screenshot, or is it is it friendly, open like hey, you know here's yeah. it's, it's well, it's actually the, the the system pushes you to do it. It's a lot. It's it's it could automatically post it for you. You know, it's it's, it's extremely viral. Kashin is. Is, is forcing you to, to post these things actually on, on the site, but also send out things to, to your friends. Uh, you have to post your address book in there, for example. And, you know, it's, it's <laughs> in, 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 and you, know, you can't stop hearing from your friends, right? No, true. And that, I mean, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work outside China probably, but it does work here. And I don't like it myself, but apparently Chinese don't mind. I mean, they have a lot of time on their hands, and you know, they think, oh, cool, I got a message. Oh, oh, you beat my high score. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat him back. If I would, you know, if in Europe or the U.S. or Australia, people would get these messages all the time, they would be annoyed, like, oh, come on, another message, I don't want to see it. Here in China, it's different. Most people have so much time and nothing to do. They're, like, happy to see that. So, he beat my high score. Oh, I'm going to get him. It's it's a very different concept. It's so, so, effectively, what you're saying is Kaishin is out there using aggressive, aggressive address book spamming yeah. um, to drive traffic, and people are okay with it. Correct, yeah. That's that's exactly how it is. It's it, the, the the market here is so different from 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 the market outside China. It's the things that work here would never work outside outside China. It's if it, if I look at the pop-ups for example on our websites, I always assume that the pop-up will be bad for the websites. But actually, we don't see any change in in traffic. If you put pop-ups on there, there's just exactly the same amount of people going to the site as uh, as people uh, if if you wouldn't have pop-ups. <laughs> it, it doesn't doesn't deter people. It, they don't they don't mind. I couldn't quote you any stats on that in the U.S. though, but I would imagine that would keep, lead to some sort of drop. Um, yeah. Although a lot of sites do have pop-ups, right? So maybe maybe it's not so bad in the U.S. Yeah, because it's, it may make money, and it's you know if people need money, they may do it. But I, I think generally people complain about pop-ups. You, you don't even get complaints. Here, so. is it? Could this be because China's still in a state of change, and not all these people are engaged in what they're going to be doing yet? Or no, it it's really has to do with the fact that people like like a chaotic look on the websites. Um, to give you an example, when I when I first started this, the first Spill Games website, I used a, a design from Holland to to get started. A very clean, nice design, very uh, easy to find the, the right games, all in categories, and you know, not too much advertising. Simple, basically. And we launched it, and uh, we drove some traffic to there. You know, people started playing the games, but it didn't come back. We were like, you know, what are we doing wrong? You know, what's uh, and you know, we tried it for about a month, and sort of traffic. People, yeah, you know, some people are coming back, but most people just came once and didn't come back. It's very weird, and 
Yeah, so I thought, okay, we, maybe we have, to, we have to don't have to write games, or we, we didn't really know. And then I was talking to my team. We said, well, you know, let's give it a try. It was a very Chinese-looking site. I didn't really believe in it. Actually, I thought, you know, it's going to be even worse probably if you're going to have this, you know, very flashy site. And but we said, okay, let's give it a try. So we built a, a Chinese website with, you know, with blinking ads, with with yeah, sort of chaotic look, with pop-ups, with hmm. yeah, really, in my opinion, very bad-looking, terrible-looking. Actually, we launched it. And from that moment on, it started growing. People came back and started coming back. We drove traffic there, and then people stayed and came back. <laughs> it blew me off. I was like, China is so different. In every single country in the world, even India, we use a similar design mm. for, uh, for for our websites, except for China. The design doesn't work. China is really different. Why do you think people are attracted to a more chaotic look? I think they're used in life already to a more chaotic life. If you look on the streets here, look at all the neon neon advertising, the, the sounds blaring from all the stores, uh, the, the honking cars, the, the, you know, people screaming. It's They're used to this. And it, I think they're sort of looking for this on the internet as well. It's, it's, I feel they may not feel happy when, uh, when it's too quiet somehow. It's, it's the only thing I can think of. It's it's probably in the minds of the people they're used to to to, uh, to a chaotic life. That's interesting. I mean, that would be. I mean, that would say that maybe a third world country stay third world. But I mean, Sh- Shanghai is cleaning itself up pretty quickly, isn't it? Yeah, but look, if you look on the streets here, it's 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 still extremely chaotic. Hmm. It's, uh, but it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's, it's I don't know. I, I never seen any any real good explanations for this. And but we really saw this on, on our website. And for me, it's just. Give the users what they want. Yeah. Keep them happy. Yes, we did. Um, slight change of topic, but just something I'm interested in. Um, w- what do you know about people faking their Alexa rankings in China? Is that something that's common? It used to be common, but nobody looks at Alexa anymore. So what do people um, what do people look at? What a, what a, um, trust someone's metric? There's not there's not much you can trust. It's, the whole thing is people have been doing it for so long uh, in China. Nobody really believes it's the figures anymore. Nobody looks at them anymore. There's no real good measure to measure them. You may look at com score, but then you know they're missing the the, the the whole part below 15 years old, which is a huge part of the Chinese market. So there's no real no real good measure to to look at sites. What's the the best guess? Well, I mean, what we, what we do, we look at the, the IDC data ourselves. We, we can, you know, we know people in the IDCs. We can see what what competitors are doing, how much, how much. Oh, the data centers. The data centers, yeah. So that's you go to the data centers and you ask yeah. those. Oh, yeah, wow. That's how we okay. do. Yeah. But I mean, there's no objective there, objective third-party data. It's people used to do it a lot to 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 sort of to fool to fool the, uh, the VCs. Yeah. It's uh, it was. It was uh, I mean, as a foreigner, I feel, I feel bad when I when I read when I read those things, and this it still happens. I mean, yeah. Competitors are going out there saying we're so big, we're doing this, and we just know it's not true. But you know, what can you do? It's, you know, we, yeah. I mean, coming from the outside, I've got to, I've got to have something to look at. I don't know what to look at. If I can't look at Alexa, what can I look at? Because I, I can't well, you trust people just. No, I know. I know. It's there, well, you can look. If, I mean, I would say look at Comscore. If you look at something, look at Comscore. That gives probably the best guess, best educated guess. Alexa certainly doesn't work here. It's been gamed so much over the years that nobody trusts it. It's uh, three years ago you could use it, but not anymore. It's, it's totally useless here, and nobody has installed it either. I mean, there's, the install base is too low. Right. That's what that's what makes it easy to to, to game it. Um, so Comscore you could use. Yeah, that's about it. And yeah, because I, w- I wouldn't trust internal data from companies. It's, right. Uh, hmm. Okay. Um, 
In terms of um, moving to China, um, I'm interested to know, do you like it here? I mean, you, you live here, obviously, yeah. but do you like, are you happy in China? I love it. If you could it's live somewhere else, would you? Eventually, yes. Where would you I go? Mean, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't live here my whole life. Um, I like the valley, actually. Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, yeah. I, I like the lifestyle there, in a way. I like... Clean and organized and... Yeah, but it's still the entrepreneurial spirit. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's what I need. That's what I love in China. People are very entrepreneurial. They really want to go for right. it. Yeah. That's what I love. The other hand, what I also would like to do maybe is eventually maybe do something like setting up a wine yard somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, New Zealand would be an idea. Um, more, you know, but then, not yet. I'm still too... too yeah. You could still, the Silicon Valley would be the place, right? Because then you've got Napa and all that nearby. Yeah, true. That's, that's quite expensive there. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, but once you make one of your yeah. big home runs, you'll be fine. Then it may be easier, that's true. But, no, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I love China. I, I, like, I like the people here, they're, they're so hardworking. They're so entrepreneurial. They, you know, for them, risk is a good thing. It's, uh, I don't like people who are very risk averse. It's, especially when working with them, I always feel like, you know, I, I, I see risk, but I feel like risk is an opportunity because, mm -hmm. you know, I want to give it a try anyway. Um, and that's what I like here. People just go for it. They just, they, they think about something, just, they don't write a business plan. They don't, they, you know, they don't, you know, have meetings for weeks or months and do something. No, they think about it for a day and just, okay, go, okay. do it. Um, one of the things that I see working with a lot of people offshore is um, I'd be a little bit uncomfortable about working with people from China online just due to the quality of work. Like, how yeah. do you deal with that? Well, you have to manage them differently. You have, to, you have to manage them directly. You have to be there. I mean, like in the game studio here, you have to really check on a daily basis on what they're doing, how they're doing it. Uh, outsourcing is always a bit dangerous here. You have to really manage it uh, much better than you would in the U.S. or in Europe. So don't 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 wait until until they deliver something now, but check it on a well maybe on a daily basis or at least on a weekly basis. Mm. To what have they been doing? Are they going in the right direction? Uh, are they saying the same things as they're producing? Don't don't trust everybody, you know, uh, right away. That's very important. Mm. And, uh, the thing is, if you if you find the right people in the right companies, it it it, it certainly it could work in a, in a more easy way. But especially when you get when you start working with a new company with new people. Uh, check them on the yeah very regularly. Yeah. Um, and then on just on um, in general for expats, for someone that was going to move to to China, I'm I'm fascinated by China. If I wanted to move to China and get started here, I mean you've you've blazed a trail. What would be your advice for someone like me? Well, uh, learn Chinese. Mm -hmm. That's a mistake I made. I think originally I should have learned more Chinese. It would have made my life a lot easier. Uh, I still need translators for meetings. Because um, you, you know you want to make sure you understand everything. Second of all, is spend some time here before you get started. Build your network. Mm -hmm. um, if you really ride off the plane, you cannot set up a business here because you just don't know how it works. Right. It, it's it's different from what you, from what you read in the official laws. I mean, you know, things work differently here. Right. You need to know the right people. And third world country, right? Uh, well, not third world, but it's in a way it's a first world country if you're in Shanghai. But some of the things are still. Done in the old way. Mm. You, you need you need your network. You really need your network here. Mm. You cannot rely on on, on regulations and you know, right. need to you need to really understand how it works. Um, any other any other suggestions? Um, yeah, find a good business partner. I think that's very important. A local business partner. A local right. business partner. Yeah. Right. It's uh, I mean like for Studio, you know, Gary really built that. It's uh, a foreign. I could have never, never built it. I mean, I don't have the technical background. Even if I had, I couldn't, couldn't have done it. Mm. It's there's so many regulations you have to, you know, go through, and 
you need to know the right people and as a foreigner you're going to do it it's, you, you're going to fail so find a good Chinese business partner um, then the chances of success are a lot higher on your own you cannot do it um, if you're going to work with foreign companies for example if you look at what Google's been doing or Yahoo over the years here nobody, they, they, none of them have, have really been successful the main reason is that they're too dependent on, on the mother company um, if you do something here make sure you're independent that, that you can decide what to do that you don't have to wait for them for um, uh, to take decisions make decisions an example last year we had the, uh, the earthquake in China mm-hmm. um, then there was a three day uh, national mourning period had to, all the sites had to close down mm-hmm. we were informed about it Sunday night 3am to do this um, if you had to wait for your headquarters in, in, in the valley for example to, to wake up that would be like 18 hours later you know, right. and get their, get their approval to do this maybe they, had, they need to have meetings there you're going to be too late I mean you're going to, you're, companies are punished for this because they didn't, they didn't close their sites hmm. you know, that's the sort of thing you need to be able to be flexible and react quickly if you have to wait for, for your headquarters to make a decision you're going to be too late because the, the local entrepreneurs can, can take decisions right away yeah. you know, within 5 minutes basically and they know what needs to be done. And that's right. If you cannot do that, if you're gonna you're gonna lose. Google has so much trouble in China, and I think it's mainly because, you know, it's they're not independent. They cannot do. They they probably know what to do, but they cannot do it because headquarters is telling them, you know, I don't think it's right, and it's just, it's stupid. They're not independent. So if you do something for another company, make sure you get you're independent and you can run your own business here, the way you think it's it should be done. Otherwise, it won't work. Hmm. Cool. Um, is there anything we haven't talked about you'd like to talk about? Um, no. Huh? Not when it comes to my right now. It's, uh, I know I've asked you a lot of stuff. Yeah. I told I mean, you I wouldn't, I did. Sorry? I told you I'd ask you a lot of yeah, stuff, and I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fun. It's a good interview. It's, uh, um, for me, China is a great country. It's, it's, it's here is, this is where it's happening right now. Yeah. No, I'm yeah even, even though there's a recession, it's still... There's still growth. People are still looking at the future, and you know, still positive. It's, uh, I don't. I don't actually believe there is a recession in China. I mean, I hear like Dubai, they're like stopped all the building here, yeah. but the Chinese just like keep on oh, building yeah. it. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everywhere we see here, I, I've never seen anything like this with so much construction. Yeah. I've never seen this. Well, it's a lot less than a couple of years ago, actually. <laughs> a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> you've have, you have seen the Pudong skyline, right, on the other side of the. Uh, you've been to the um, yeah, not not really sure. Uh, well, there's there's this river, and if you look to the other side, of all these skyscrapers. There. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When they were building that, I mean, that was that was amazing. Like ten years ago, even less than ten years, eight years ago, mm. that was crazy. This is amazing, huh. absolutely amazing. Mark, well, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome.